0: Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Beginning with verse 6. This is John. He's writing about himself, but he quickly changes focus to the one who matters. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone. Or which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Praise God. Can I get an amen out of that one? who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Verse 17, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. So John is talking about John the Baptist, and he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about how Jesus came and the message that Jesus had, that Jesus had a message to show uh, the Father to the world, to introduce the Father to the world. And how did he do that? Well, he was God. Jesus is God. Jesus is all man, but he's all God. And he is at the right hand of the Father. And so as he said at the very end of his life, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Nobody has seen the Father. The Bible says that no man can see the Father. Nobody, no man can look onto the Father except the Son. And the Son reveals him to whomever he, he chooses. And Jesus chooses three of you. That's it. It's just three. There's only three of you that he'll show himself. No. It says that he showed it, showed himself to the whole world. He came here openly, and when he came here openly, the world didn't receive him. The ones who should have received him, the Jews, they didn't receive him because they looked at him and said, Well, he's just a man. He's just Joseph's son. He's just a man. He's just from Nazareth. He's just from Galilee. He's just, 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 he's just. And Jesus even said, He goes, No man, no prophet has honor in his own hometown. He's just Jesus. Well, we know more now. We know better. He's not just Jesus. He's Jesus. He's God in flesh. Emmanuel. Praise God. But he says something here very interestingly. Uh, John writes very interestingly. He said, and I, and I, I, I pause there for dramatic reasons. Verse 16, For from His fullness we have all received grace... Upon grace, and we're going to come back to that. So I just got done, uh, finished up, closed up on a series on faith. i didn't say I didn't share everything about faith. I did it didn't exhaust the topic. You could spend years talking about faith and talking about what faith is. But I spent a number of weeks, I think I spent eight or nine or ten weeks talking about faith. and faith we talked about. Isn't a big woo-woo spiritual, super spiritual uh, concept that boy? We just we you know if it would, if it wasn't for God's grace, if it wasn't for Him, we would understand. It, it's it's not difficult. Faith is not a difficult subject. It's a hard subject. Does that make sense? It's not difficult. It's easy because we we I broke it down into a series of words, and the first word was trust. Faith is trust. That's, that's really all that faith is. Faith is just trusting in something. You know, if I if I sit down on this chair, I look at this chair. I trust that that chair will hold up my weight. Wow! That's all I got to say. Just wow. But here's the truth. Here's the reality. Not every chair. Can hold up under my weight. Amen. <laughs> Brian's witnessed it years and years ago. Two thousand and four. Two thousand and four. We're uh, Pastor Greg and, and, and Brian and Pastor Dan and I were all in a in a gypsy village in Romania, mid, out in the middle of nowhere. We're in a we're actually in a basement of a cow or of, a, of a horse stable. They dug out the basement of a horse stable. Think about that just for a second. <laughs> They dug they dug out the basement of a of a horse stable and they made a church. It was actually quite nice. It was, you know, it was very interesting. It was, little small. It was small. It was probably about what, fifteen feet wide by about twenty feet long, and there was over I'd say 80, 90 people in that room. <laughs> they're tiny people though. They're tiny, <laughs> they're very small people. I'm not. And so they looked at me when I walked in the door and they all had these big thick, you know, plank benches that they were sitting on. And they looked at me, but they wanted, they wanted to give us the best chairs. So they gave us these folding chairs, wooden folding chairs. And I sat down on it, and I, I'm really careful when I sit down on chairs that I don't know. I've actually been to some of your homes, and you go, don't sit on that chair. We'll give you a different one, you know. <laughs> we'll give you the metal chair, the big metal wrought iron, you know. But I, I, I looked at that chair, and I'm like, I don't know, you know. And I sat down, and it moved. And, and, and we're so weird. But I thought, okay, and, and they gave us the best chair. They just wanted to give us the best. That was so beautiful. You know, it was really nice. Well, Pastor Dan is preaching. Pastor Dan is preaching. If you remember Pastor Dan, if you know Pastor Dan, Pastor Dan is Pastor Dan, man. I mean, he's just something else. And So he's preaching, and he's preaching, and he's preaching the Word of God, and all of a sudden a drunk guy comes through the back door. The door just opens up. Wham! Bang! Walks in. His name is Kalman. I'll never forget it. It's K-A-L-M-A-N, Kalman. I'll never forget that name. I don't know why, but it's just there. And the door opens up, and he's drunk, man. He is Flat out drunk, and he goes, "Somebody stole my tea." I didn't know he said that, but that's what the interpreter said. He goes, "Because he's yelling, somebody was it tea?" Oh, was it stronger than tea? His his whatever, his booze. Some, somebody stole my booze, and and the whole place turns and looked at him. They're all aghast, you know, and and he and they were like, "Okay, kick him out, kick him out." And Pastor Dan's preaching. He goes, "No, stop." He says, come up here. And this guy, man, he had like a three days growth of beard and he smelled nasty. And he, but he comes, and so he comes up all drunk and Pastor Dan goes, sir, sir, I love you. God loves you. And when God loves you, we can love each other. I, I can love you. And you can love me. And I can love you. And you can love me. And I can love you. And you can love me. And I turned to Brian and I said, "Man, if he breaks into the Barney song, I'm out of here." <laughs> and Pastor Dan being Pastor Dan so all of a sudden goes, "I love you. <laughs> you love me. We're a happy family." <laughs> He's singing this, and the interpreter's going, I'm not repeating. that." I'm not. I'm not. I start laughing so hard. I start because la- I, I called it. I called I I was it. I knew it was coming. I start laughing and I start shaking, and all of a sudden, bam! The chair just disintegrates. Pieces of wood all over the place, man. I mean, just and I'm laying on the floor, and now I'm laughing even harder, and he's sitting next to me, and he's laughing. He can't help. And, and all of a sudden, like five or six of these little gypsies, but they're only about this big, they're trying to pick me up off the floor. Where was I? Faith in a chair. That's right. If I have faith in that chair, I trust that when I sit down on it, it's going to hold me. That's faith. Faith is trust. But but the I can have faith I can believe that that chair is going to hold me up. But unless I put it into action, that's the next word we talked about. That faith is an action. Well, actually, we had some other words before that. But I'm here. Faith I can I, well faith. Faith is expectation. That's the next word that we talked about. Faith is is trust. Faith is expectation. So when I sit down on that, I expect it to hold me up, and then faith is an action because without action, faith is nothing more than hope or a mental assent. So then I have to actually sit down. And you're all going, "When's, when's he going to sit down on the chair?" I'm going to do it right now. Here we go. <sighs> there you go. So, so faith is an action. If I can say it all day long, but until I actually do it, do something about it, it's, it's not faith. Faith means, is, a, is a verb. Faith is you believe it so much you do something about it. Then we talked about how faith is persistent. You, you, you have to keep persisting. And because it's, it's not going to ha- it doesn't always happen immediately. When you're believing something that God's told you He's going to do, it doesn't happen immediately Some, most of the time. It, and maybe it does early on, but the older you get, the more mature you get, the longer it can take. You have got to stick with it. And last, I think we talked about that faith is, is last week. Huh? Persistence? persistence. I just said persistence. No, no, what was that? Urgh. I had the word earlier. During worship, I, was, I had the word. Tenacity. Tenacity. That's good enough. You stick with it. You don't give up. You don't quit. You don't quit. You don't quit. You just keep going. Well, we talked about faith. Praise God we're saved by faith. Amen? We're not saved by faith. I did that on purpose, to trick you. How are we saved? Turn to Ephesians. I know, I know, I know. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read this in context. Because we're not saved by faith. The Bible says that without faith, we cannot please God. But we're not saved by faith. We're saved a different way. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were all by nature children of wrath." Like the rest of mankind. You can find that in Romans. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. Everyone is born into the sin nature. You saw, some of you saw me holding, and Debbie holding our grandbaby. Our grandbaby is just the best! We're being grand- we get to be grandparents all weekend long. The kids they're on their, they're on a hun- they're on a, well, not honeymoon they're on a two year anniversary weekend. They get to get away you know and they get to go have some fun. Three years? No. Three years? How long have we been married? Thirty five. See I remember ours. I don't have to remember his. You know? <laughs> three years. Wow how it, how time flies. They're on the three, and but we get to be grandparents. Oh, she is the sweetest thing, man. I mean, just this morning she saw me and she squealed and she, you know, came over and gave me a big hug and laid on my. Oh, it's so beautiful. <sighs> but she was born into sin. She needs a savior. She needs a savior. These, you know, our children. As much as we love them, as much as we, you know, they they're just so sweet and so awesome. Man, when they turn two, you don't have to teach them to sin. You don't have to teach them to be belligerent. You don't have to teach them to disobey. You don't have to teach them. Why? Because they were born into sin. Anybody who tells you that, that human beings are, are naturally good, they're lying. Or they're just completely mistaken. They, human beings are, are evil? And they need the Word of God. We need the Word of God. I need the Word of God to show me what truth is. So Paul says here in Ephesians, or I'm sorry, yes, in Ephesians, that verse 3, and we're all by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, but God, praise God, say but God, God. being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by Grace. grace. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show them immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Then first verse 8, the big one says, and here's where we get our definition of how we're saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. We're not saved by faith. We're not saved by trusting God. We're not saved by, by just trusting that He exists or trusting that He, he is all-powerful. You can, you can trust that he is, he is the God of all the universe and He is the, the master of all things. You can trust that that's true, but the Bible says that even the, de, even the demons know that. And they're not saved. They're marked for eternal damnation. Why? Because they don't have grace extended to them. They did at one point. They were in the presence of God. And they chose to reject Him. That's evil. That is the epitome of evil. For for Satan to be in the presence of God... The Bible says that he was the lead worshiper. He was in the worship of God. He he led the worship of God. And he chose to reject that God, to to reject that lordship, to reject that kingship, and to say, I will rise myself. I I will lift myself up above. I, pride, pride, when we think we can do this in our own strength, in any way, shape, or form. So, this is the first. I'm, I'm just going I'm, to, I'm just starting to break down this idea of grace. We're going to go way deep into it. Grace is more than what you think. And, and, and if you've studied it, I mean, you're going to know a lot. But grace is way more than what most people think because there's saving grace but then there's also graces for many other things the grace to live your life only comes from him The grace to do anything the grace to succeed at anything the grace to to to, to, to for me to stand up here this morning it, it only comes from god and that grace, the definition of that is quite quite big. We, we need to break it down as time. But this morning, we're talking about saving grace. Saving grace. Verse 8, let's read that again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, Workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Interesting, which God prepared beforehand. Beforehand, that we should walk in them. For by grace you're saved through faith. Let's 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 talk about that. For by grace you're saved through faith. What is grace? What is the definition of grace? You know, we so we many times I start there because we have to understand what the word means. And, and you might have one thought of what grace means, and you might have another thought of what grace means, and I might have my own idea of what grace means. But what does, what does the Bible talk about in grace? What are we, when, we, we, when we use the word grace, what are we saying? Is grace this? Now, did you catch that on film? Because that's the only time that will ever happen. I'm just letting you know. Because I'm not graceful bull in a china shop most of the time grace isn't about how you move now there is you know the definition of grace one of them is the human definition is you know flowing of of movement flowing flowing in a graceful way well that's not what we're talking about we're not talking what is grace well salvation well let's put it this way this is the biblical definition of what grace is It is the free and unmerited favor of God. It is the free and unmerited favor of God. God, in His grace, because Jesus is full of grace, He decided to give you something that you can't earn. He chose. He chose to give you something that you can't earn, that you don't deserve, that you can't purchase with anything. It is, it is beyond you. It's beyond every single one of you. There's nothing you can do to receive the gift that He gave you. And that, the first one we're talking about here is salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. He has chosen to give you grace, to give you the ability to have salvation. And none of it has anything to do with who you are. None of it has anything to do with what you've done. None of it has anything to do with what, anything you could ever do. He did not look and he said, well, I'm going to give grace to you. I'm going I'm to give salvation to you, but you know, I'm going to give it to you free to begin with, but then every other day after that, you have to earn it. It's not how it works. He says, I'm going to give you salvation. God chose God. chose." to give you salvation, and he didn't put any stipulations on it other than, believe me, trust me. By grace, by his desire to give it to you, by his choice, his free will, by his decision, he gave you the ability to have salvation, his only stipulation is, trust me. Have faith. Trust me that I'm giving it to you. That's it. You don't have to do anything before that happens. I've had people tell me, well, I'm going to get my life cleaned up before, before I receive that salvation, before I get saved. No, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. You can't get cleaned up. You can't even get cleaned up after you're saved. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough. You can't serve enough. You can't give enough. So the, we talked about it, you know, I heard him sharing that this morning. I went, here we go. Holy Ghost has a message. You don't have but how many of you, maybe don't raise your hand. Sometimes I have you raise your hand. Don't today I won't have you. How many of you sometimes wake up in the morning and you don't feel saved? And you think, well, maybe if I pray more today, I'll feel more saved. Or maybe if I read my Bible, oh, I, I just haven't read my Bible yet. I'm, if I read my Bible, then I'll feel saved. Then I'll, I'll feel justified. Don't waste your time. That's not why we read the Bible. That's not why we do anything. That's not why we pray. That's not why we give Salvation is yours. He has given you the right, the the opportunity to be saved. You have to believe it and trust Him that what He did on the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, gets you there. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Because Satan's coming to you every day and saying, you know, you actually don't deserve it. You, you messed up yesterday. You know, you gossiped about your neighbor. I don't know who that was for. It was for somebody here. You coveted your neighbor's lawnmower. Actually, I've got the best lawnmower in the neighborhood, just yeah. You know. Some people are dealing with pride. But here's the deal. We, we can't clean ourselves up. We can't earn His... He said, you know what? You can't do it. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. His grace, his, his unmerited favor, His free gift to you is you can spend eternity with Him in heaven. All you have to do is trust Him. Trust Him enough to say, okay, Jesus, you get to be Lord. You get to be Lord of my life, Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my life, man. Do you remember that day? Do you remember the day you said that for the very first time? Do you remember the day you received Christ? You said, "Lord Jesus, come into my life," and it was like, "Yes, this is wonderful." And then the next day, you woke up and you were still the person you were the day before, in the flesh. In the flesh. And you did stuff. You did stuff you didn't. You weren't proud of. You did stuff that you know you didn't like. You did stuff that other people didn't like. You just you just you you fell short. Man, did you have to get saved again? No. 40 years into it, okay? Just so you know, just anybody who's been in this for 40 years, if you woke up this morning and you go, I ah, just, you know, I didn't live very good yesterday. I made some, I, 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 was, I was really judgmental towards whomever. I, the pastor, man, I just I was really judgmental towards it. I was, oh, I just, I really coveted that. I really hated that. I, really, Oh, I don't feel, you're just as saved then as the other. As the moment you said it for the first time. It's by grace that you're saved. You're not saved because you do anything. It is not by works, it is not by deeds. It is not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's why I paused there. It says, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. But it said before, it's not by works that you're saved. Right. He's given you works to do. There's things for you to do, and there's things that that you need to do. There's things you should do. There's things you should pray. You should spend time in the Word. But it's not for your salvation. It's so that you know him more. Right. Debbie and I are married. We've been married for 35 years. I remember the day I said I do. I mean, I remember we have we have been just as married today as we were back then. I don't have to do anything to continue to be married to her, but I better. And it's not because she demands it, because she's, she's not. She, she doesn't, well, most of the time. But I, I, I should, because why? Why should I continue to, to show her acts of love, show her, and, and to do, I should take out the garbage, I should empty the dishwasher, I, could, I should do this. I should, why should I do that? Be, not because if I don't do it, I'm not married anymore. Because here's the deal, I don't have to think about that. This is really actually a, a very applicable. I am just as married to her whether I empty the dishwasher or not. I'm, I am just as married to her whether I take out the garbage or mow the lawn or do any of those things. But why do I do it? Because, because I want to please her. I want to shower. She likes when she wakes up in the morning and there's no dishes in the dishwasher. And always, always I get... Oh, thank you. Thank you for doing that. And I'm thinking, well, thank you for cooking and cleaning and getting the you know, groceries and, and, and you know washing my clothes. I mean, I, if I said thank you for everything, I just that's why I don't. There's just so many things. <laughs> but she always but I don't do it because, well, I have to, otherwise we won't be married tomorrow. I do it because I love her. So why do you read the Bible? Cause you have to? Because the preacher said I had to, or the teacher, or whatever. No, it's because I love God. I want to know Him more. I want to spend time with Him. Why do I why do I, you know, get up yesterday morning at 4 30, got ready, got down to the race, was at the race from from 7, well, 630. I was there at 6:30. Making sure everybody's in their place and making sure. For those of you who don't know, we, we, were, we marshaled a race. And for everyone who was there yesterday, God bless you. Thank you so much. Because uh, they, many of you are not the regular people who do it all the time. Some of you are, but uh, many of them are up at camp. What were they thinking? What was Peter thinking? But you guys came through, man. I mean, we—we it was awesome. You guys were amazing. But so I was there early, and I worked all day long, and then I got done with the race. I was the last one to 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 cross the finish line with with the last walk. You know, I was following the last walker in, and then and then I went home and I took a quick nap, and then I jumped back in the car and drove three hours up to camp. Was in that hot, miserable camp, and then I preached. And then I thought, and then we jumped back in the car and we drove three hours back. Why do I do that? Because God demands it of me. And he's gonna be in pleased with me if I No! It's because I love him. And I love doing what needs to be done. I love being a part of the kingdom. It's out of love. When it's out of love, it no longer it's not work anymore. Now this morning it felt like work. I mean, I felt like whoa. I felt like I got ran over by a truck. And if I nod off in the middle of the sermon this morning, I apologize. But we don't do things because we're dem- it's demanded of you, and if you don't do it, God is going to be so unpleased. Do you know that God doesn't get mad at you anymore? God's not mad at you. He's not even disappointed in you. Let that one sink in just for a second, because okay, he may not be mad at me. He may not, you know, hate me. He may not, but you know, I am sure there's times he's disappointed in me. No. He loves you. God is love. There's a a verse that says God is love. Do you know there's another verse that says that God is grace? He is gracious. He loves you. He's gracious. He knows who you are. He gets who you are. He, he understood who you were, who you are, the moment he called you. do you know when he do you know when his eyes were on you and he was, he was wanting you to be a part of his family? Before you were born. Before you were even formed in your your mother's womb. He knew you. And his heart was towards you and he, he knew. So he knew if he knew back then and decided to give you grace, why would he not give you grace today? Why would he be disappointed in you now? He knows, he, man, you know how many times I've come to the point where I was just beating myself up because, I, oh, you know, I messed up again. I thought this, I did this, I, 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 my heart was, whatever, whatever sin, and I'm beating myself up because I don't want to live that way and I want to honor God and I'm, oh, and I, I'm the only one who's mad at me. God's not looking at me going, oh, didn't see that one coming, John. <laughs> didn't realize 40 years ago, 50 years ago that you were going to make that mistake. He, knew, he knows my whole days. He knows all my days. And He still chose me. He reminds me of that on a regular basis. I chose you knowing who you were going to be all the way to the end of your life. And I chose you because I love you. Man, that's a love and a grace that we need to get a hold of. He chooses to love you. That's actually what marriage is. And that's why marriage is so important. That's why a marriage, is, is, it shows the love of God. I chose to love her 36 years ago. She chose to love me. That's why there are no options. We are together. We are married. We will be married until we die. Why? Because it is a picture of how God loves us. There's a reason. It talks about how God How Jesus has a bride who is the church. He has chosen to love us and there's nothing you can do to change that in his mind. You can't screw up enough. I just heard somebody say this in a teaching recently. He says, you can be, you're saved, you're saved, man, you're saved and you're going down the road. And all of a sudden, one day you decide, you know what, I'm going to rob a bank. I'm going to go rob a bank. I choose to go rob a bank. I'm going to do it. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't an accident. I, didn't, I wasn't with some other people who were robbing a bank. I decided to go rob a bank. So I go to the bank and I rob the bank. He says, you know how much does God love you the same before you rob the back bank as after, the, after you rob the bank? Yes, he loves you just the same. But here's the deal with sin. There's consequences for sin. <laughs> the funny part is when he took it all the way to the end, he goes, so when the police arrest you and you spend 15 years in prison, you'll have plenty of time to spend with God. But it doesn't change his view of who you are. When we understand grace, when we understand his unmerited favor, his un, we, we don't have to earn anything, you don't have to... Work to please God, he is already pleased. So then why do we have to why why do we not want to sin? Because we don't want the the consequences of sin to pull us back. Why should it? He set us free from the law of sin and death. Why would we go back to it? Why would I go back to hate? Why would I go back to that? He's given me the grace, he's given me this free gift of salvation and life. Why not walk in that? And enjoy the freedom, enjoy the 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 joy, the the life. Why sin? Why covet? Why steal? Why lie? Why why any of that stuff? It's, It's just it's stupid. Choose life. But it doesn't change how much he loves you. That's grace. Grace. Salvation is not dependent on grace alone. If it were, think about this just for a second. This is not a verse. This is this is a, a thought. Salvation is not dependent on grace. If it were, everyone in the world would be saved. So when I said, "What's what saves you?" It's not faith. It's grace through faith. It's a, it's a combination. It's, it's grace saves you, but. You have to have to work with it. Remember the action? Trusting him and then putting it into action. I have to choose by faith to believe what Jesus did for me on that cross. Pays for my sins. And that's the reason there are millions and millions and probably billions and billions of people not saved is because God's grace is to them but they haven't mixed it with faith. They haven't put their faith in Him that He did it for them to receive that gift. The gift is there for them. Now, let's just hit this one head on. Just just run right into it. Do you know there are people, Christians, in this world that says that God's gift is not for everyone? Now, we're not going to go real deep into the whole idea of limited atonement but there are people there are i I have friends i have ministry friends other friends who aren't in ministry who believe that there's there's only grace shown to the ones that god wants to give grace to so he chooses he looks at the whole world and goes Okay, I want that person to be saved and I want that person to be saved, but those people over there I don't want them to be saved. Definitely not those people. I'm going to give this, my grace is just for these people. Do you know that that is not true? God's grace is extended to everyone. That free gift is offered to everyone. Anyone who will believe, anyone who will put faith in what Jesus did can receive that free gift. Do you want me to prove it to you scripturally? Thank you. I'm glad you asked for me to do that. Turn to Titus. Titus. When was the last time you were in Titus? The last time we did a one year Bible reading and you had to read it anyway. So there you go. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. I could read it in context. You read it in context. Read it this week. I am not pulling this verse out of something that means something completely different. This is what it means. Titus chapter 2, beginning with with verse 11, says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. For the grace of God has appeared. When Jesus came, the grace of God appeared. The grace of God did not exist before that. Before that, God chose the people. He chose the Israelites. And He told them, do you, to please me, here's what you need to do. And we're still in the middle of Deuteronomy in our daily Bible reading. And it's just like I'm getting tired of it. You gotta cut the meat this way, and you gotta lay it this way on the thing, and you gotta take some of the blood, and you gotta put it on your right earlobe, and then you gotta put some on your big toe, and then you gotta, then you gotta go do this, and you gotta put this vestment on, you gotta wash yourselves this many times, and then you gotta do, and that's all before breakfast. And then you got to go do this, and you got to go do that, and then you have to be this, and you can't go there, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you have to walk this many steps, and you can't walk that many steps. And you, I mean, you just go through this list of rule after rule after rule after rule because they had to earn it. That's why our covenant, our covenant is better because we don't have to earn it. I don't have to follow the rules. Oh. oh, careful. Careful, Pastor John. It's a good thing most of the youth aren't here. We only have to straighten out a couple of them. If they get crazy ideas and Pastor said, we don't have to follow the rules, so you're going, let's not follow the rules. Follow the rules, will you? Just follow the rules, all of you guys. Well, if we say we don't have to follow the rules, people might just like be crazy. Well, no, because... My understanding of the way it works is, you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, and if you're allowing Him to be the Lord of your life, you don't just go do whatever you want. You do what He wants. And I guarantee you, the law of sin and death has been replaced by the law of life. And, the, and his, he, he is never going to tell you to sin. It says there is no law against against grace. There's no law against love. If he is he is love, he's going to lead you in a direction where he's gonna everything he tells you to do is gonna be love. Towards everyone, towards everything, towards everything. He is gonna lead you in love. So do those things. If you follow the Spirit and you allow him to lead you and be the Lord of your life, you're not gonna be chasing after the rule, the, the, the broken rules. grace i don't have to earn my way to heaven i don't ever I had, I had somebody recently ask me how much time do you spend reading the bible every day cuz they, they wanted to know i'm a pastor so they wanted to know how much time i because a pastor must have to read the bible at least 5 to 6 hours a day <laughs> to just keep the license you know to keep the you know to keep you know the, the rules. to keep the rules I mean, I must. How many? Hours, you know, how much time do I spend reading and studying the Bible? Because obviously, if you're going to stand up here in front of us, it's got to be more than me. And 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 I, you know, and I and whoever you are out there, you're going. Well, I've spent at least six hours, so he better spend seven. You could just feel the oppression, can't you? That that oppression. That well, if I don't if I don't do this, and 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 now many of you are wondering. I wonder how much time he does spend in the Bible. Hmm. More than you, probably, but that's not the point. It's not the point. How much time do you spend in prayer? Pastor, how much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you think I spend in prayer? As much as you need to. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's why I love you. He said, as much as you need to. Do you know what the Bible says? Do you know what the you know what the, the standard for how much time you should spend in prayer every day? Do you know what God has said by his spirit should be how much time you spend in prayer every day? All day. Prayer without ceasing. Well, how do you do that? Man, I gotta go to work. I gotta wash the dishes. I gotta clean out the dishwasher. I've gotta mow the lawn. How do you do that? It isn't about, okay, I have to read this prayer all day long and I have to make sure I say it all day long. No, it's just being in a constant attitude of listening to the voice of God. Just, I'm always aware of it. I'm driving down the road and I'm just listening. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm, you know, sometimes I'm thinking about other stuff. I'm thinking about pole barns tools bacon thank you yeah, so i'm thinking about bacon man that's just all i gotta say i'm thinking about the what well, but in that if god wants to speak to me man i'm ready Amen. i want to hear his voice i'm kind of, i'm we're i'm driving up to the camp and i had like three different things i could teach on three different things I was like okay lord what do you want me to teach on nothing he didn't say anything no, no, no audible voice, no trumpets. No, there is no and I'm just okay, but I'm listening. I'm just I'm continually seeking him. And then I get to the camp and I'm going, okay, Lord, which one? Which one of these things am I supposed to talk about? Nothing, nothing, nothing. I get up in front of the kids, and I'm going, okay, Lord, any time now. And all of a sudden I knew exactly where to go. I just trusted him. But I'm listening. I'm always. But I don't have to do anything for him to be happy with me. He's happy with me. He likes me. God likes me. Do you know that your whole life's going to change when you realize that God likes you? There's a whole lot of people who don't believe that God likes them because you're not walking in his grace. We're going to learn how to walk in grace we're going we're gonna to learn how to walk in this so much that you just live your life knowing that God likes you. I mean, He loves you, but He even likes you. And when you understand that, the more you understand that daily, the more you're going to be set free. Amen?